My goodness, my goodness. We have whittled things down in the 2021 NCAA tournament from starting with 68, now down to a field of 32, headed for Sunday and Monday, and eventually to a sweet 16. And I just have to say on the nation's college basketball show and podcast, was that any good on Friday and Saturday, including the final game of the 31 games, as it turns out, on Friday and Saturday, being a stunner again. Take that, Oral Roberts. Take that, North Texas. What is it with the Southwest teams? What is it with the Texas teams? As Abilene Christian knocks off the third-seeded Texas Longhorns with last-second free throws and a great finish for a one-point win, a program-historical, defining NCAA tournament-winning win for ACU. And that's the way that we're going to begin things here on college basketball coast to coast reminder again if you're only finding us through a social media link subscribe to this podcast it'll come automatically to you if you subscribe on apple podcast also find us on spotify find us on stitcher wherever you find podcasts but subscribe comes automatically to you we're also streaming on tune in on the tag sports group channel top and bottom of the hour this show starts over top and bottom of the hour on the channel tag sports group tune in free app find us there all right all of that is out of the way we've got to recap all of the action that happened on saturday on this program as we come your way in the preview mode of sunday and eight more second round games sunday and to help me out here uh, from the usc trojans wire website also longtime national college sports writer college basketball writer matt zimmick matthew we missed the NCAA tournament a year ago. We're making up for lost time. How you feeling? Uh, you know, I feel fantastic. You know, you know, without fans, obviously we want fans back next year in 2022. But the idea that the lack of fans in arenas would take away from March Madness. Nope. We got we have the same drama, the same magic. I mean, this event just stands on its own. You know, you can play these games in a parking lot and you just you'd get the goosebumps, the chills, the indelible memories and moments. It is it just always delivers. Yeah. And we've already had plenty of those right now. Well said. And again, we'll talk to you more about USC's victory over Drake to advance on that came on Saturday evening. Jason Powers of the Powers on Sports podcast. Uh, This is like a six man tag team championship match here. And I got my (laughs) tag team partners. Brother Powers and I already spent some time earlier in the evening in the Tampa Bay area together having a little bit of a meal. We left each other, and mayhem continued on into the night. Welcome, and what are your thoughts coming off of Saturday and headed into Sunday? Well, you made it. Me and you talked about this right when the draw came out. What would be a great national draw for television? Texas versus Texas in the last game of the first round. (laughs) That wasn't by accident. Texas versus Abilene Christian. Went down to the wire, the whole state of Texas in primetime Saturday night. What a finish. Oh, my gosh. Yes. And and so, again, so much to cover and talk about uh, with all of this. And I promise we'll spread it around to some different games. Powers can't wait to talk about Florida State winning. Obviously, the one seeds on Saturday, Michigan and Gonzaga were victorious. Uh, the two seed, Iowa, uh, also uh, victorious as was Alabama powers kept saying over and over again Iona Rick Patino I, I was not drinking the Kool-Aid on them being able to hang in they did hang in until the very end and actually had the lead in the second half so so much to talk about uh, the, the amazing thing is that we're taping this after the Abilene Christian game in the middle of the night eastern time 
and the Alabama Iona game feels like it was back on Wednesday, but they, it only happened earlier <laughs> in the day. That's why we love March Madness uh, and all this. All right, boys, uh, back to the Abilene Christian win because that is the freshest. Matt, give me some insight and some perspective just real quick on how they did what they did as a 14 seed, a team that has only been Division One for what, like five seasons, four or five seasons, as Grant Boone told us last night, program-defining win. How did they do it? Well, you know, let's go back, you know, 10 years ago to the first game on Saturday, as, as you were saying, you know, the, for the early games on Saturday, I feel like just a million years ago. <laughs> let's go back to that first game, Georgetown, Colorado. A guy on Colorado, Jabari Walker, he hits, you know, two or three three-pointers in the first few minutes. Georgetown never ran him off the three-point line. So you contrast that with Abilene Christian. As good as I've seen, uh, someone else pointed out to me, Porter Moser's Loyola Chicago team also does this really well. But running guys off the three-point line, it it is something that uh, a lot of college teams just are not very attentive to. Uh, But Abilene Christian was absolute nails until the very end, until Andrew Jones got free. They drifted, they ball washed, they got caught up in the moment, left him wide open for a kick out from Matt Coleman. But other than that one moment, they were closing down shooters. They were forcing them to put it on the deck, to dribble to the elbows, the foul line, the paint. Uh, Just an absolute clinic on denying three-point shooters. You are not going to get that shot off. Just amazing attention to detail. We saw the maniacal effort. Everyone can see that, but it's very, being very conscious about a very specific thing that a lot of college teams don't do very well at all. TJ. Great, great point. Go so, ahead, Jason. Yep. Defensively, I know give, give Abilene all the credit defensively, but if you look at that game and you watch the last 10, 12 minutes of that game, the seniors, the leaders of Texas, Coleman, Ramey, Jones, self-destructed on the offensive end careless turnovers, unforced turnovers. And if you are going to get them off the three-point line, why aren't we dumping the ball into your to your all-Big 12 player, Jericho Sims, on the post, who's got a size advantage and a skill advantage, and let him go to work? Another great point uh, there on that. Jericho Again, Sims it, with one shot in the second half. I mean, one. that. To your point. Well, and we should mention Grant Boone again. I'm going to keep referencing my man. And even though they cannot see us on college basketball coast to coast, again, as I talk with Matt Zimmick, you find him on social media at Matt Zimmick, Z-E-M-E-K. You find Jason Powers of the Powers on Sports Podcast, JPO Sports, uh, here on the program. Grant Boone on with us Saturday said, ACU, Abilene Christian, is the number one team out of over 330 in the country at taking the ball away, turnovers caused. And they were great at it. Uh, He also said if they're going to win this game, it's going to be low scoring. It's going to be grinded out, come down to the final. I mean, it's almost like he laid out the blueprint on this show. That's why you got to listen to this show in advance. And and I feel thrilled for him on uh, on laying that out. And how about Joe Pleasant is the player's name (laughs) at the foul line. As Grant told us, that's the son of Anthony Pleasant, a Uh. former NFL tight end who won a couple of Super Bowls with Tom Brady with the New England Patriots as a backup tight end. And now Joe Pleasant stands at the foul line and makes two free throws for all time, down by one with a second left in an NCAA tournament game to beat Texas at Abilene Christian. And that's exactly what happened, and that's what makes uh, the tournament great. All right, so at the risk of dominating all the conversation about that win, again, for the audience, that's the freshest thing in Matt and Jason in my mind as we're taping I want to go to both of you guys. I'll reverse the order. Jason, you first. You can start with Florida State or whatever else you like. Give me a team or a game or two that stood out. Go. 
I think the game of the day to me had the best finish was Creighton UCSB. UCSB plays a great game for 59 and a half minutes. The UCSB center, who you like to mention, have a bunch of transfers from all over the world. The guy misses a two-foot layup at the basically at the buzzer to win the game and, and literally the best finish of the night other than this, this last one as far as a live ball finish to the game. UCSB had the ball on the, on the guy's hand on the rim last second of the game. Missed the bunny. Yeah, and a great comeback by Creighton, a game that UCSB, Cal Santa Barbara, was winning. That was a 12-5 game, uh, and, and Creighton showed some resolve, made the plays, et cetera. Matt, did you have a game that stood out, and you can take the chance here for USC, or I'll come back to you about the way that they play, but what else from Saturday? Anything off the buffet from the uh, the 15 games, as it turns out, on Saturday? Just want to hit on US, UCSB Creighton for a bit. Just the Creighton made two free throws in the final minutes. UCSB made two free throws. The, you know, and with Abilene Christian, in those cases, guys made their free throws, unlike Purdue and Ohio State, who torched their first rounds with free throws. The other notable game, uh, you know, not really not one of the sexier games, but just notable Missouri, Oklahoma. And I pointed out because Missouri was in scramble mode. And if you've watched this season, Missouri has been down like 10, 12 points with three minutes left and has scrambled back to win games. Did it against TCU. I think did it against uh uh, Alabama as well um, was, was down with, you know, was, was, uh, in a, you know, Missouri games have been crazy past two, three minutes. And so Conzo Martin should know that you need to extend the game. He's been doing it during the regular season. So Missouri uh, got a, a steal and then got a three pointer was down eight, then was down just three with 45 seconds left. Okay. So you think, all right, let's continue pressing, trapping, Maybe, you know, in fouling, making Oklahoma hit a bunch of free throws to seal the game. No, they let the, the Oklahoma run a full 28 seconds off the clock. Now, Oklahoma didn't score, but, you know, ran 28 seconds off the clock. Then Missouri's last possession was a clown car possession, had a deflection like 30 feet from the <laughs> basket. And then Oklahoma was able to foul because no Missouri player was ready to shoot. So Oklahoma was able to give the foul with 2.5 seconds left. Missouri had to intentionally miss the second free throw, didn't get the rebound. So, you know, Conzo Martin, he had the chance to extend the game, but he didn't. And we go back a night, Brad Brownell of Clemson was in a similar situation, 36 seconds left only a six second differential. You have to extend the game when you're down with 36 seconds left, but no, he, he let Rutgers run off 26, 28 seconds, get a bucket done. How can these coaches, it's really kind of the NFL equivalent of college, college basketball game management. These coaches are paid lots of money. You have to be able to get that right. You have to know when you're down the final minute, you extend the game, you make the other, you make the opponent hit free throws, keep the ball under pressure and yet two high major coaches brownell and conzo uh failed to do it great point on that and again while we're covering the upsets ohio gets the tremendous upset yeah. uh over virginia in part by hitting free throws they hit four of them big one at the end but tony bennett did a great job of at least extending the game like you're talking yeah. about by fouling by virginia continuing to make threes I was watching the end of this. Jason saw my daughters tonight briefly, and they are into the tournament, the 12-year-old twins, here and there. They were very interested in the end of that game because they had picked Virginia. And I kept saying to them, because we knew this, they don't really know or remember this, the crazy finish to the Virginia-Purdue game 
uh, two years ago in the tournament along the way to the national title run, I kept saying to them, it is never over, especially with this team. If they get a chance to steal the ball and hit a last-second shot or something, it's never over. So to your point, Tony Bennett did extend the game as best they could. They kept it close. They hit the threes. But credit Ohio with a great win. And while we're throwing out verbal bouquets on college basketball coast-to-coast, my man Deshaun Tate was on the podcast in the preview mode Saturday saying Ohio Bobcats, Ohio Bobcats. He's got them in the Sweet 16. Nice call, brother. Tate's take the podcast. Nice call on Ohio. I don't know if they're going to get by uh, Creighton or not and, uh, and get into the Sweet 16 or not but certainly give them credit for being able to get the win over Virginia in the matchup that he called. Yes, sir, Mr. Powers. One other team I want to give some credit to today that faced some of the similar challenges Virginia faced. Kansas down eight at the half to the Grove, to the Grove brothers out in eastern Washington. <laughs> give Bill Self credit. We, we like to kill Bill Self over the years, but give Kansas credit for coming back in that second half. McCormick was huge in the middle for for Kansas. Garrett with a big game on the perimeter. Give Kansas credit for coming back in a game that easily could have lost today to Eastern Washington and the Grove brothers who who combined for about 55. Yeah, they did. They did a great job to come back. And, of course, they had the COVID pause from the Big 12 tournament. Uh, and they responded, and he's a Hall of Fame coach. There's no question uh, about that. Again, that's the voice of Jason Powers, the Powers on Sports podcast with me on College Basketball Coast to Coast. Matt Zimmick here as well for the USC Trojans Wire. Just while we're on it, uh, Matt, give me 30 seconds. The Trojans get a win over Drake, who was feisty. USC was better. Tell me what you saw out of there as the Trojans survive, advance, and move on. They got it done. Well, when I previewed this game at Trojans Wire, the two articles I wrote, one was that Joseph Yesifu played all 40 minutes against Wichita State. And that if USC was patient and hardworking on defense, it would take it could take away his legs in the second half. It's exactly what happened. And the other preview article I wrote was on how Isaiah Mobley, not Evan Mobley. I mean, Evan Mobley's obviously a great player, but you know, Drake could maybe contain one of the Mobleys, but not two. Drake did not have enough big bodies in the paint. And you saw Evan go for 17, but also Isaiah Mobley went for 15. USC had three players, six, eight or taller going for a combined 46 points. That is what Drake did not have an answer for. And USC moves on now to play Kansas. And let's hear it for the Pac-12. As, as we mentioned, Colorado started the day just bashing uh, Georgetown. And I had the Hoyas. I believed in them as a 12-5. Uh, and they guarded uh, no one on the perimeter, including giving up 11 three-pointers to Matt's point earlier in the show in the podcast. Uh, on not guarding the three-point line. You give up 11 of them in the first half of the game, and Colorado ran them out of the gym. But, I mean, Oregon State with the big uh, performance against Tennessee in a 12-5 game. Uh, You also had UCLA Saturday night, who looked fantastic again off the first four win over Michigan State. They looked fantastic offensively to beat BYU. Stick your chest out if you're the Pac-12 right now um, as they're able to get the win. Um, and we haven't even covered yet the controversy of uh, Virginia Commonwealth not being able to play and the NCAA following through the uh, tournament operations, et cetera, and saying, we're going to hold to this. If you can't play because of COVID-19 guidelines, we're not waiting. You're forfeited. It's over. So Oregon benefits and defaults right into the round of 32 without having to play a game. Pac-12 will take that win as well. It counts. It goes in the record book. It goes in the pocketbook for the money. Uh, Jason Powers, you had something to add to that? Quick, quick point about Mr. Enfield at USC. 
for our gambling buddies out there. Mr. <laughs> Enfield as a head coach is now 8-0 and against the number versus <laughs> as the coach at Florida Gulf Coast and USC has covered every NCAA game he's been in for you gamblers, and they got Kansas in the next round. I think that's a one- or two-point game, and that's a very winnable game for USC. So I like USC. Somehow, somehow that might end up as a nugget on USC Trojans wire if Matt Zimmick was not completely sure of that. And again, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're the favorite every time or the underdog every time. It just means whichever side they've been on, they've covered, and they did so against Drake in this matchup. All right, let's get to the controversy. Uh, Matt Zimmick, give me some uh, thoughts here because we got the word uh, long about 6 Eastern time, 6.30 Eastern time, a couple of hours in advance of the game, that because of COVID testing on Friday and Saturday, Virginia Commonwealth was not going to be able uh, to play their game, was not going to have five healthy guys to be able to play or five guys that could play that they were sure were COVID negative in enough time. On the timeline, just to set it up a little more, Virginia Commonwealth has now come out and said they were negative all the way through Thursday, that the COVID positive test started on Friday. And because of contact tracing, they were unable to field a team according to the NCAA and the guidelines. All right, Matt, with all of that said, um, there we go. We, we, we feared this and here it is in reality. We had a walkover NCAA tournament game with Oregon getting credit for the win. Well, two things to say about this. One is that, you know, it seems as though it's not, it's, it's not confirmed, but like just from reading up and studying the situation, it seems that official re- referee, basketball referee Roger Ayers could have been the source of this. He refereed the, the Atlantic 10 final between VCU yep. and St. Bonaventure this past Sunday. You know, he he might be the the, the source of all this. And so he also – uh, Pete, the two refs who refed with him have subsequently refed games involving uh, Loyola, Chicago, and USC. Wow. So uh, Loyola and USC are sweating bullets these next uh, 36, 48 hours before before their respective games. Uh, Loyola on Sunday, so 24 hours for Loyola. Uh, so there's that. And then the other thing about all this, in addition to the what seems to be the poor um, administrative decisions regarding the referees and isolating referees specifically is if CBS and the masters had agreed to put the masters in late April, last week of April, CBS, I think would have no problem pushing back the tournament, the one or two weeks to guarantee uh, you know more room, more time. But because the masters in that second week of April and right. Jim Nance has to get down to Georgia, they're not, they're <laughs> not moving it back. Well, and they, and they were very clear. And Jason, I'm going to bring you in on this too all along about what the guidelines were going to be and all along about what the punishment was going to be if this worked out. And keep in mind that you've got to be able to practice and you're going to, you're going to eat a meal around each other, which is Virginia Commonwealth's point too, that this, that part of it was unavoidable, even if you're in the bubble and guys were apparently exposed somehow, some way. And without getting into all of the, the scenarios and was it the official on Sunday, obviously you can be exposed, and we've, we've known this now for a year, and it takes several days before it shows up as somebody positive. And that appears to be what happened here because, again, on the explanation for VCU, Virginia Commonwealth, they had negative COVID tests Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. No indication that this was potentially coming until Friday, until Friday's tests and then confirming tests on Saturday, et cetera. All right, Jason, I've said a bunch. So is Matt. 
your thoughts real quick here because it's reared its ugly head and hopefully it's not going to get even worse right. with this. But what are your thoughts? I know you and I have talked about this. What happens if it's Gonzaga on Monday or a big team, a one or two seed <laughs> in a in a sweet 16 or a final eight game? Are they just going to be so flippant and cancel the game or are we going to have a delay, that type of thing? I don't believe they will do that. And you were saying to me at dinner, you don't believe so either, right? That they will yeah. just rubber stamp. It's a forfeit. You made a great point how they've extended the time between the right. between the end of the second round and the Sweet 16 to where there's an extra couple of days that if somebody were ha to have an yep. issue on a Monday or Tuesday of this week, there'd be some days that they could theoretically push the games back if they needed to. So I think that's part of Matt's point or your, your part of your point, yep. Matt, is that's part of what the NCAA did. You couldn't move the, the tournament back because of the Masters, but they could move the Sweet 16 back a couple of days to give them a little bit more wiggle room in the event there's an issue. All right. So that's where that stands. Let's hope it doesn't get any worse for right now. Where's Dave Gav Where's Dan Gavin in all this, by the way? Uh, you know, you brought this point up, and I want you to tell me your line. I know we've had controversy with the women's tournament and their weight room and all over social media, and you said to me when they <laughs> trotted Mitch Barnhart, the head of the selection committee, whose role, again, is to be spokesperson for the guys that selected the teams. They don't run the tournament. Right. When we saw him while we were having dinner, Jason Powers said to me from the Powers on Sports podcast, please. I said, Mr. Gavitt was unavailable tonight. He was busy signing invoices for moving trucks and weight room equipment and jump <laughs> ropes and food vendors. He was up in the office. He was having to sign the invoices. He, he wasn't available, TJ. He had some administrative paperwork to do. What, what is up with that? I mean, the women's tournament situation, a PR nightmare and disaster. Dawn Staley, one of the most prominent women's players and coaches and a Hall of Famer, annihilating Mark Emmerich by name and the NCAA in a letter on uh, in a letter to the public, basically, uh, on Saturday uh, with all of those conditions. But, yes, uh, again, uh, this is Dan, Dan Gavitt, who is the, uh, the operations uh, head, the VP of operations, he should have been the one answering this stuff about what they're doing with the guidelines and the forfeiture, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Instead, the Kentucky AD uh, was out there doing that. All right, we've got just a few minutes left. I promise we're going to get into the Sunday games and what we're interested in here on college basketball coast to coast in just a second. But I don't feel like we're doing it justice if we don't say like 30 seconds about Alabama. I own it. It was a great game. Rick Patino's team was feisty. Give them a lot of credit. Matt, you first, then Jason Powers. Bama moves on, but it was not easy. Yeah, Alabama's depth was the difference. Uh, you know, bench points. Alabama won that by at least fifteen, if not twenty points. That and and you know, so that that speaks to coaching. You know, having a full roster, a full rotation of ten guys ready to play. And who knows that? Rick Pitino. Yeah, absolutely. Jason Powers, Bama, yep. rolling I on. Made, I you made spent the some time in Bama. They got it done. Yeah, I spent. Yeah, lots of time up there. Good for Alabama to be in the mix nationally. I made the comment that I really thought Patino would have his team in the game at ten, at the ten minute mark. They're down one point with ten minutes to go. You called again. It. Alabama had one little two or three minute spurt to, to really get the lead to nine or ten to kind of put the game away. But give Rick Patino full credit. He, that team will be a big time problem in the next couple of years when he gets a couple big recruits. 
Yeah, and and keep in mind, they're not just a three-point shooting team as much as everybody might think because I believe they only made like four three-pointers in the second half, but they went inside to Jones. They got some fast break points. They made some free throws. They did some other things. By the way, your Florida State Seminoles avoided any upset. They moved on, and we're still searching. I would love to know the answer. Matt will dive into this. We'll all dive into this. Who was the last NCAA tournament team to win a game without making a three-point shot? Because Florida State was 0 for 9. Behind the stripe, but the Knowles got it done. Jason Powers, real quick. They did. They 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 outmanned the UNC Greensboro team. Had much more height and depth. But that moving forward, is their ability to make three point shots? Scotty Barnes did not play very well today for Florida State, the the, the highly recruited rec, big recruit point guard. But they but they do have the size and the experience. Raekwon, remember this name, Raekwon Gray. He's kind of their middle. He's kind of their middle linebacker type of guy, six seven muscular guy really physical player can play inside outside he is a big player for florida state moving forward love all of that and again michigan again it seems like it was thursday but it was earlier on saturday michigan uh did a number um on texas southern gonzaga had no problems with norfolk state so both those one seeds are moving on the two seeds were also victorious iowa had some trouble for a little while but went on to win over Grand Canyon. So everybody moved on. All right, so we've covered Saturday enough. Now we're on to Sunday in the preview mode. College basketball, Coach Coast. Again, depending on when you're hearing us, you may already know results. We're in the preview mode, getting ready for the slate of eight games. That starts with the Illinois-Loyola-Chicago game. Matt Zimmick, to you first. Is that a cause for concern? Can Loyola hang in? And if so, how do they hang in with a Godzilla like Illinois? Definitely think Loyola can hang in. I mean, I think Porter Moser is a rock star. Uh, he's he's going to get – I mean, he, he can get whatever job he wants at the Power 5 level, and there are lots of good opportunities for him. But, you know, we talked about Loyola Chicago being right there with Abilene Christian in terms of running people off the line. I mean, the, the problem for Ab, for uh, Loyola is that it doesn't have a Kofi Co- Coburn uh, in the paint. No one has a Kofi Coburn in the paint. That's, that's going to be the headache, but I think Loyola can really match up well and defend Illinois on the perimeter. And so if uh, Loyola can do what it does, great defensive rotations. Remember that Porter Moser is a former Rick Majerus assistant, and there's such a Majerus-like imprint on this team in terms of always being in the right position defensively. Uh, Loyola can definitely bother Illinois. And Illinois puts forth great effort in its own right on defense. But when you, when you, when you have an identity as Illinois does for playing great defense and another team throws it right back at you, you can be knocked off your block for a little bit. So I think that's going to be a competitive game, but Illinois will win. Again, that's a standalone game coming up first, just after noon Eastern time. The other one seed is Baylor and Baylor will be in action with Wisconsin right after that. And another standalone game, uh, we'll see how much trouble Wisconsin, who, who beat North Carolina, will give Baylor or not for Scott Drew and company. Again, on the slate, West Virginia, Syracuse used to meet all the time in the Big East. Can Syracuse continue the magic of all those made threes in the San Diego State win? That'll be up next. And then we'll kind of get into the slate of games running over on top of each other, et cetera. Arkansas, Texas Tech. Houston Rutgers come in the early evening, followed by Florida and the upstart Oral, Oral Roberts. Um, that one uh, just after 7.45 Eastern time, then Villanova, North Texas, and Oklahoma State and Oregon State will close it out. Jason Powers, what stands out? I got about two minutes left. What stands out for the Sunday slate? Maybe a game or two? Yep. I love West Virginia, Syracuse. You got the heavyweight coaches, the Hall of Fame guys. You got a rugged West Virginia team versus a a Buddy Bayheim led. Who would have thought that two years ago? Three-point shooting, two-three zone kind of team. 
I like West Virginia tomorrow. I think they're gonna they're gonna do enough on the interior. They got good guard play. I think they got a they got Culver in the in the low post for West Virginia. I like West Virginia there in a tricky game. I like Oral Roberts in the points tomorrow against the Gators. I know the Gators played well against Vatek, but I like the one-two punch of Oral Roberts have the best two score scoring tandem in the country, number one scoring tandem in the country at Oral Roberts. Okay, so not necessarily to win, but he's saying for the spread to hang in there as a 15 seed. Uh, it is it is interesting when Dunk City, Florida Gulf Coast, you referenced Andy Enfield. When they got through to the Sweet 16, it was Billy Donovan's Florida team that beat them. This is a 15 seed Oral Roberts against Mike White's Gators that are playing. We'll see what happens there. I got 90 seconds left, Matt Zimmick. Uh, can Oregon State hang with Cade Cunningham and Oklahoma State in the final game of Sunday night? And if so, how do they do it real quick? They play bothersome defense. I mean, Oregon State's just been bothering the hell out of all of its opponents the last few weeks. Bothered Dana Altman in Oregon. Bothered Colorado. So bothered teams with good coaches and good guards. You know, so, I mean, Oregon State's just – we talk about being in a zone as a shooter. Oregon State's in a zone defensively. No doubt. Do you have another game, Matt Zimmick, that stands out for you out of the eight on Sunday in the preview mode here on college basketball, coast to coast? I got 30 seconds. Go Baylor, Wisconsin, because Wisconsin had the burden of playing in the big 10 and trying to defend its big 10 championship from last year. Now Wisconsin steps outside the conference playing with house money against a one seed. I expect a competitive game. And remember that Wisconsin was an eight and beat top seeded Villanova in 2017. Good reference point. Good to know on that. For now, we're going to be done. Again, find Matt Zimmick, who you just heard from, at Matt Zimmick, Z-E-M-E-K, on Twitter. He's part of the USC Trojans Wire. He oversees trojanswire.usatoday.com, writing all about the USC Trojans, all about the uh, the Pac-12 teams that are still alive that are unbeaten right now in the tournament. Jason Powers from the Powers on Sports podcast. Find that podcast. Love the insight from my Tampa brother from another mother. Some Tampa Bay mojo comes your way as well, my friend. Uh, Out of my bracket with Texas. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a lot of brackets blown up. Thank you, Ohio State, for me on that end. For now, guys, we are done. Let's enjoy the Sunday games. Again, subscribe to this show and podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, etc. It's streaming top and the bottom of the hour on TuneIn on the Tag Sports Group channel. For now, we are done. We're back Monday after Sunday is done in the 2021 tournament on College Basketball Coast to Coast. Bye.